this week on The Startup Life. My wife, my brother, were our partners in the t-shirt lab. We came back, we strategically chose Orange Mound, you know, to put our business in uh, because that's the neighborhood we grew up in. Right. And it was really important to show, you know, individuals in that community that you can be an uh, African-American entrepreneur and succeed. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Kelvin Woods, co-founder of the t-shirt lab. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. So I got my good friend, Mr. Kelvin Woods, co-founder of the T-Shirt Lab. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? All right, all right. You ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? Yeah, I'm going to do my best. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So let's get this thing started. Tell me about your path to entrepreneurship. What's the story, man? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where do I start at? So I'm originally from Memphis. Okay. Uh, grew up actually in Orange Mound. Spent a little bit of time in North Memphis. Uh, my mom moved there, I think, when we was in about seventh grade. Okay. So I got a, a, a good opportunity or a chance to really just kind of see the city mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, Orange Mound all the way to North Memphis. For sure. Uh, but went to uh, Cherokee Elementary. Went okay. to Sherwood Middle. All right. Uh, was supposed to go to... Uh, Melrose when I graduated mm-hmm. from middle school, but my mom uh, wanted me to go to Overton. Gotcha. Uh, I love, you know, painting, drawing. I always was mm-hmm. a creative person. Okay. So I auditioned to go to Overton, got in my ninth grade year. So that's why I spent my, my high school at, you know, learning to paint and draw. Mm-hmm. And somewhere during that time, you know, a lot of people, you know, love the talent, but they were always, you know, artists are starving, you know, you, mm-hmm. you heard the starving artists. Yeah. So it kind of shaped and molded me to start looking at other ways to generate income gotcha. when it came to art. So that's where the entrepreneur book was really sparked. I had a real good friend in high school, man. It was always a hustler. Mm-hmm. So I used to watch this cat paint pictures and, uh, you know, go out and sell them. So, I, I, you know, talking to him, I was like, dude, are, are you making some money? He was like, yeah, you know, you can you can make some money doing it. So I started painting and going out on the weekends, just kind of hustling at the barbershop, selling paintings and stuff like that. Okay. And then, you know, quickly transitioned to college and started a, a magazine company. Okay. Uh, and that really, you know, sparked the entrepreneur bug as well. Didn't see much success. But it did what it was supposed to do by way of, you know, sparking that entrepreneur bug. And, you know, it's just been history from there. I've always been looking for ways to, you know, create, uh, start my own business and, mm-hmm. you know, just gen- just live in that entrepreneur space. I hear that. So you, you mentioned something about, you know, auditioning and going to Overton and really, you know, vetting out your, your, your um, creative space, you know, as far as drawing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Let me ask you something that's kind of off kilter a little bit. How important are the arts in school? I think it's uh, very important. You know, 
life can be so structured at times mm-hmm. where it's you know follow this ABC one two three uh, pathway, <laughs> right? And art really allows you to start thinking outside of the box and maybe break through that mm. uh, structure at times and just be creative and allow the mind to to really just you know flow. So I think it's very important when it comes to you know education and school and things like that. And if you look around today, everything you see has art in it. So it's really no way to exist without incorporating the arts. So I think it's extremely important. And there's a lot of money in this career field, and I think, and I know for a fact it's untapped. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, you mentioned your uh, that uh, one of the first entrepreneurial kind of books was that uh, that magazine mm-hmm. uh, piece. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it was kind of around the time Facebook was kicking off. Okay. Uh, me and my friend started a magazine uh, called Boss okay. uh, College Magazine. And it was supposed to focus on business, arts, uh, fashion, hmm. uh, just the current events that was going on around that time. Uh, I went to school in 2005. Okay. I uh, went to UT Chat, and my buddy was at Knoxville, which was about an hour, two hours away, mm-hmm. depending on how fast you drive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we picked my dorm room at Chattanooga to be the uh, the lunch pad for this magazine. And, you know, in college you get refund checks and things like that. And so instead of going out buying, you know, the Jordans and, you know, going on all these crazy trips and things like that, we were on eBay looking for a printer. Mm-hmm. Found a printer, bought the printer, had it dropped off uh, in my dorm room, and we just hit the ground running. I tell people all the time, man, if you would have walked in my dorm room my freshman year, it would have looked like a, a print shop. Mm. We had computers set up everywhere, you know, cords going everywhere. So What you do when the RA came by? Actually, you know what's crazy? I was the RA. Oh, oh okay. So you, you had this, that set up uh, then. I got you. But I had a okay. cool... Um, what is it called? You got the RA, then you got the the resident assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The resident assistant is the RA. I don't know what the one over yeah, there like is. Yeah, like over that person. Yeah, like, so he was yeah, real cool, man. I got you. He knew I was an entrepreneur. He saw them when they dropped the, the printer off, and he <laughs> used to always joke, like, man, when we graduate, I'm a I'm going to work for you. You're going to have a job for me. Gotcha. He was real cool. Gotcha. I hear that. So, Kelvin, you know, tell us a little bit about the T-shirt lab. Yeah, so the T-shirt lab, we started in 2012. Okay. Um, so I went to school for graphic design, mm-hmm. and during that process, I started working for uh, FedEx, actually, FedEx Kinko's, okay. um, in production. Mm. So I go in at 10 o'clock at night, man, and I used to work till about 8 in the morning. I used to work third shift. Then I go to school during the day. Uh, but I really fell in love with print production, uh, the graphic design aspect behind it. And, you know, as my career kind of started to blossom with FedEx, they started sending me to a lot of sales training. And I went from production to to sales to management and things like that. And uh, a lot of the creative side of it really started to get, you know, get pushed to the back. Gotcha. Uh, Because I love the print side of it. But then I started moving more towards the corporate side. But I've always fell in love with, you know, graphics and printing and things like that. So I always vowed that one day I would start my own print company. Didn't really necessarily know it was going to be in T-shirts. Gotcha. But working in the industry, I used to see a lot of cats come in that printed sure. T-shirts and things like that. And, you know, I just asked them a ton of questions. And being on third shift, I had a ton of time to just really research because I ran gotcha. the store by myself during that time. Gotcha. So I get my work done, then I research, and T-shirt printing just used to always pop up. So I started really getting into the industry from the design side and I hooked up with one of the guys that would come into the print shop and he would print all the shirts for me mm-hmm. and I'd go sell them on campus right. uh, and things like that. So when I was able to afford to get my own equipment, that's what I did. And, you know, I launched a T-shirt company in 2012 in uh, Nashville. Okay. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So, you know, Startup Nation, when we hear about Kelvin and he talks about his time at FedEx, he, he brings a, a really good point of how you can what you can learn from the nine to five job and bring that over to uh, your your company. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I absolutely. think that's a very important piece uh, to get in there. 
Let me ask you this, Kelvin, man. You know, what inspires you as an entrepreneur and why? Uh, several things inspire me. And I think it's really just about what time in life that you are. Okay. And what part of the journey you're in in your entrepreneur endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get inspiration from a lot of things. Uh, currently, I'm getting a lot of inspiration from my family. Okay. You know, I have a, my, me and my wife, we be, we'll be married in March for oh, up to 10 years. Congratulations. Or, or 10 years in March. Gotcha. I said that wrong. Uh, I got a five-year-old daughter. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'm in the house with two girls. Mm. So the dependency. Yeah, outnumbered, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just bought a dog and it's a boy. So we're kind of oh, okay. balancing out right. a little bit. No more zone defense for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I got two two girls in the house uh, that, that really look at me, you know, to provide for them. And it just does something to me when I wake up in the morning. I'm an early rise. I'm up 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, you see them still sleep in the bed, you mm-hmm. know, to kiss them and get out the door. And that's always in the back of my mind, watching them lay in the bed and how much they actually depend on me. So for sure. my every move is really, to, you know, to make sure that they're okay. Because uh, mm-hmm. we're, you know, at that point in life where... It's not about so much me and my wife anymore, but about providing her with the best opportunities possible, making sure that she gets the right schools, making sure that she can participate in the right activities right. so that, you know, she can avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we had to go through, mm-hmm. you know, at her age. Understood. So I, I draw a lot of inspiration from my family. I draw a lot of inspiration from, from the guys I employ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys, I employ a lot of second chance, uh, disenfranchised uh, guys that mm. they, they wouldn't get a you know opportunity uh, in a lot of places, but we we bring these guys on, we pay them a decent wage, and I know that if we don't succeed, it's gonna be that much harder for these cats to go out and find jobs, and they got families. So I draw inspiration from that. Uh, I read a lot of books, man. I listen to podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube, I'm telling you, it is the most underutilized tool mm. uh, in today's society. You know, we're looking at music videos. We're looking at hair tutorials. We're looking right. at all this stuff. Right. But man, you can literally get a Harvard business degree from the content that's on YouTube. So I'm on YouTube all the time. If you get in my car right now, you know, you can hit one and it's gonna be blank. You're gonna hit two, it's gonna be blank. Because I don't listen to the radio. Right. You know, every time I'm plugged in, my car is like a rolling university. Mm. So I get inspiration, you know, from a lot of different places and like I said, it really just depends on what part of life I'm in and what journey of that entrepreneur league that I'm I'm currently running. I hear that. It's funny you mention that about, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. I, I have this running joke that like <laughs> you remember Bob Vila the, the, the home improvement guy mm-hmm. used to be, you know, I feel like yeah, if he was around today, he'd be a hack because, like, with, with you know, with YouTube and stuff, like, I do, like, a, a lot of home improvement stuff to the house. Okay. So I just go on YouTube, man, and just, like, like I, <laughs> I broke my, like, a, one of my stairs okay. uh, a few years back, and I just went on YouTube, man, and just figure out how to fix it. Yeah, but, I'm no, but, you know, you're absolutely right, you know, to entrepreneurship, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. That professional development piece that you get from YouTube is is, is almost invaluable, right? Yeah, and you said when you talk about your car being a rolling university, mm-hmm. that that's that's big, that's yeah. real big for sure. Thank you for sharing that. But I want to touch on something you mentioned. Two things actually. The first one is when you talk about employees. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people out here when they talk about I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a boss, this that the yeah. other. I got like you know three people under me or whatever uh-huh. the case may be. If you if you watch Office Space ever before that joke, <laughs> but um, but talk about the massive responsibility when you talking about employing somebody because it's one thing to have employees, but it's another thing to where every decision you make in your company mm-hmm. can affect not just the employees but that family's livelihood. Talk about that a little bit if you would. Yeah, um, and I think when it comes to employees, you really have to do a good job of 
you know, vetting the individual that you bring mm-hmm. on. Because one thing that I found, I used to want it real bad for a lot of people that didn't want it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it's a shared responsibility, it, it works. But mm-hmm. when, it's, when it's not, when it's not balanced, it doesn't work. And what I mean by that is when I bring somebody on board, you know, they have to understand that this is how I provide for my family just as well. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm going to do everything in my power to commit to you to make sure that every other week you walk away with a paycheck so that you can take care of your family. So on the flip side, I ask that you do the same thing. Gotcha. You know, once you print T-shirts, once you're dealing with a customer, once you're answering the phone, answer that or, or take that. Well, keep in mind that you're doing this for the team. It's not that. just you as an individual. I hear that. So uh, I think we have a great dynamic with the individuals that work here now to where, you know, they have a genuine interest in seeing me succeed just as well as I have a genuine interest in seeing them succeed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you do. You got to be wise uh, with the finances uh, most of the time, you know, or you got to be – you got to set income aside to make sure that when the rainy day hits mm. that, you know, you don't have to cut hours, that you don't have to – you know, lay people off and things like that. So, right. you know, a lot of people see entrepreneurship and they see uh, the building, they see the, the the clientele base, they see that whole that whole piece, but they don't see the backside of it when it comes to you know, yeah, you we may be generating income, but a lot of it goes in an account. So when things slow down, we can continue to operate as if you know things are still going good uh, to be able to keep these employees and things like that, absolutely, you know, on payroll. So absolutely, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, and one quick thing before we move right along, you talked about you know the people that you employ is kind of like they're like second, you know, you give them a second chance in life. Why is that important to you, Kelvin? Well, I'm from Orange Mound. Okay. Uh, and we moved away for about eight years when I went to college. I was mm-hmm. in Chattanooga for five years, Nashville for three. Mm-hmm. And when we came back, you know, my, my wife and my brother were our partners in the T-shirt lab. When we came back, we strategically chose Orange Mound, you know, to put our business in uh, because that's the neighborhood we grew up in. Right. And it was really important to show, you know, individuals in that community that you can be an uh, African-American entrepreneur and succeed. Um, so when we came back, I realized that it was a lot of people that needed jobs and things of that nature. And when we got to talking to the community, a lot of them weren't employed because they had made a mistake, gotcha. um, either currently or somewhere in their past. And it was hard for them individuals to, you know, find jobs. So I'm a strong believer that if you're going to change the dynamic of a community, you got to first start economically. Uh, you know, it's like if you're hungry. You know, I can't talk to you about building a mega business. I need to feed you first. Mm. And then we can we can talk about the other components. Right. You know, so these individuals don't have income. They're hungry. You know, they need to pay their bills and they take care of their family. So we have to address that issue first, and that's getting them employed. Right. And then when we get them employed, now we can start talking about some other things that I'm passionate about. You know, the black family. You know, the father being in the mm-hmm. home. You know, different things like that. But I got to take care of that first basic need for sure know, to get them an income. And now that opens the door, man. We got some guys here now um, that's been with us for a few years that you watch that transition from when they started with us. It's not just a job. And that's right. one of the cool things about it, you know. We're, we're young business owners, you know. We're all under 35. Mm-hmm. We got these guys, you know, some of them are 40. Some of them are not the early 20s. Mm-hmm. And it's such a wide dynamic that we really get to minister to these guys on so many different levels. I hear that. You know, so it's pretty cool to watch the transition. So it's, it's extremely important. And everybody has to play their part mm-hmm. you know you're elevated to a level not to you know get the notoriety and the fame but to pull other people up and then once you pull those other people up it's a huge responsibility for them now to reach down and start pulling individuals up mm-hmm. and if we all help each other out you know you can start seeing some huge change i hear that i hear that thank you for sharing that that's 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 very powerful i really appreciate that so let me ask you this kelvin mm-hmm. you know 
What do you wish you would have known before you started the t-shirt lab? Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish I would have. I mean, it's so many different things that I wish I would have known. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the minority community, we don't really get a strong education when it comes to financing. I hear that. When it comes to credit, how to leverage credit and things of that nature. When I originally started, man, we did everything out of pocket, uh, which created a lot of you know hardship for us because we couldn't necessarily afford the right equipment mm-hmm. or we couldn't necessarily go out to some of the big jobs. Because you realize once you get to a certain point in business that you're dealing with the the city, you're dealing with corporate, you're dealing with schools. These guys are net 30 at best. Mm -hmm. Sometimes 60 days, 90 days before you get paid. So if you don't necessarily have the financial knowledge to set money aside or how to establish credit and things like that, you can't go out to some of these projects or get the equipment to really help you know, take the business to the next level. So I wish I would have had more financial education, but that's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just more so I think I definitely would have been at a different level at, at where I'm at right now. Gotcha. So that's one of the biggest things, uh, several other things that, you know, leadership skills. I wish I would have jumped into that uh, okay. a whole lot tougher uh, prior to bringing on employees, okay. things like that, because when it comes to leading an organization, it's a lot of it's different dynamics that you really have to know. Different personalities, how to work with different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as entrepreneurs, you know, I read a book called The E Myth, and it talks about you know, um, there's three individuals working in that entrepreneur. You got the entrepreneur, you got the manager, and then you got that. Um, the technician. Okay. So the technician is the person that does the work. The manager is the person that manages the systems of the business. Then you got the entrepreneur, which is the wild person that has these crazy <laughs> ideas, you know, to take the business to the next level. For sure. For and with sure. all of those people wrapped up in one, now you got this individual employee that's coming in and the, the grind never is going to match your grind. But just depending on what type of person they get at that time, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a frustrating process if you don't know how to, you know, channel that energy as the manager and manage that employee, channel that energy as the employ- uh, the entrepreneur and right. work with an individual. So things like that I wish I would have learned a whole lot sooner. Trying to connect that, that, that balance, right? That balance, absolutely. For sure. Let me ask you this, Kelvin. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from the worst boss you've ever had or best? And you don't have to say names to protect the infamous or famous or it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the type of person that, well, if I look back over my career, I've been loyal, you know, to, to companies. It's not one of those things where I bounced around from a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say what have I learned from uh, my, my, my bosses, you know, or the worst or the good, the good boss, mm-hmm. honestly, it's one of those things where, it kind of changed, you know. Okay. Sometimes they'll be a good boss. Sometimes they'll be, you know, not so good. But this one particular individual saw in me uh, that ability to really lead to be, you know, sales and entrepreneur. Okay. And, and and she developed that in me, and she, you know, really pushed me to want to know more about the industry. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I really learned from this particular individual uh, is just how to look at somebody and and develop that, you know, their 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 skills and their abilities and really push them towards that so that they can maximize their potential. Uh, you know, the worst boss, and like I said, <laughs> I've seen it on so many different levels. Right. Um, one of the things that is a challenge is once you're working for an individual that, that, that instead of leading from the front, they push from the back. Mm. And I never wanted to be that type of person. You know, if I say, hey, we got a hundred t-shirt order, it's going to take two hours to print it. You know, I'm not going to give you those expectations if I can't do them myself. Right. So I'm always the type of person to say, if, if I can do it, and I know I'm not that talented, I'm not that smart, you know, mm-hmm. anybody can do it. Gotcha. So I've always 
wanted to be the type of leader that leads from the front. We're going to go out and get sales. You know, I'm going to go out and get sales with you and gotcha. show you that we both can do it. So I think that's one of the lessons that I've also learned from, from good and bad because I've seen the opposite side. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and do this, go out and do this, and then they go in the office, you know. And, right. and then once you pull their card, they can't do the work mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge to try to lead people if you can't do it. You know, for sure. Yourself. So let me ask you this, man. Like, how do you get the word out about the T-shirt lab? How do you let people know you're out here doing the work? Yeah. So throughout the the process of getting the T-shirt lab started, we've di- done different things. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're in a position where we have a little bit more capital to where we can take advantage of, you know, more paid advertising. For sure. But I'll be honest, and you know this, mm-hmm. the most powerful form of advertising is word of mouth. Yeah, it's uh, true. So when I started the Very company true. in Nashville, um, I was 24 years old. Didn't know anybody really in Nashville because we had moved from Chattanooga to Nashville to uh, my wife to pursue a career. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I started the company, I literally, man, ordered 10,000 business cards uh, and went out, started passing out business cards, hitting networking events. Uh, I've always had, I've always valued, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always mm-hmm. valued getting up early uh, and getting the day started. Gotcha. Uh, so I get up early, man. I go to networking events, pass out business cards, do my little elevator spiel. Hey, I'm Kelvin Woods, co-owner of the T-Shirt Lab. We do X, Y, Z. If you're looking for these services, I would love to connect with you. <laughs> you know, get a ton of business cards, go back home, email these people, um, get a couple orders, go print them, you know, get back up, do the same thing the next day. So really... When it came to marketing and advertising back in that day, it was really just, man, hitting the ground, running. Gotcha. I went through, man, literally 10,000 business cards a month Mm. for the course of 12 months. And that really laid the foundation for us uh, to be kind of where we're at today. Uh, Because after doing all of that leg work, we had a lot of clientele, and they would refer us to people, and then they would refer us to people. And it just really continued to snowball. Gotcha. Like I said, but now you'll see us do a lot of, uh, Instagram advertising, you mm-hmm. see Facebook. Right. You know, we actually just hired a, hired a PR company to really help okay. you know, put the brand out there and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's kind of what we're doing today. We can do we can let the money do a little bit more work. And I hear that. Uh, I but hear yeah, that. I always say the most powerful form of advertising is going to be word of mouth and getting out there and shaking hands. For sure. Developing relationships. For sure. Got to let people know you're out here. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Kelvin, what did you learn from your biggest failure? Biggest failure... Um, so I think you learn, I mean, it's always, you learn in the failures and you learn in the success. Of course, you learn more in the failures, mm-hmm. um, than your success. But, you know, if I was to, if I was to pinpoint my biggest failure, it was not thinking I was good enough. Okay. You know, at the time when I started the company. Okay. So a lot of people don't know, I went to Chattanooga, man, and I got bit by the entrepreneur bug, so I didn't finish my, my undergrad career. Mm-hmm. And being out in the marketplace, knowing that you're surrounded by a lot of people that did finish, uh, got their degree and things like that, sometimes you, you know, devalue yourself and, and your capabilities. So uh, it took me, you know, a couple years to really get over that mindset and realize that, you know what, just because these cats got degrees, a lot of these cats are in the same position as you. We're just trying to figure out life and trying to figure out how to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. So, man, that was one of the biggest hangups that I had when I first got started, and I wish that you know, I could have got over that mindset a whole lot, lot quicker. But, but, but one of the things I learned from that, like I said, was once you really put yourself 
on an even playing field and you realize that, you know, life is a journey. It's just one of those things. You got to learn, you know, you got to value yourself at a high level and you got to realize that there's a lot of people out there. Everybody's trying to, you know, get to the next level. Mm -hmm. You just got to figure out what that journey looks like for you. Right. And because you didn't go the same path that the next person went doesn't mean that your path is necessarily not the right path. You know, it's just a journey that you're on. So right. I think that's one of the things I learned from my biggest failures. And if we had time, I probably can can go back and reminisce and think of some more. Gotcha. You know, it's it's a it's a constant fail to learn, fail, learn, fail, learn. Mm -hmm. You know, business and life is nothing but you know elevating yourself from one comfort zone to the next. For sure, for uh, sure. And you know, we're in a position right now, at, you know, the t-shirt lab where we're comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we've reached another level of comfort. You know, we got another building, you know, 4,000 square feet, mm -hmm. more employees, more equipment. Right. But in order for us to go to the next level, you got to get uncomfortable. Right. And, and then once you get uncomfortable for a while, you know, business grows, and then you reach another level of comfort. I hear that. So you're just constantly killing the comfort zone just to get to a higher level of comfort. I know I that sounds that. crazy. No, no, no. It makes complete sense. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. You know, that, that's where the growth is, right? Mm -hmm. is, is, mm -hmm. in the, is in the part of being uncomfortable. So, yeah. no, thank you for, for putting that out. Our startup nation definitely needs to hear that. So, you know, we talked about, you know, being in your car, being a rolling uh, university this that, and the other and we talk to different entrepreneurs that talk about professional development always sharpening the saw mm -hmm. so outside of that you know don't you know, listen to podcasts and YouTube what else are you doing for those uh, that professional development learning piece yeah so early on I used to attend uh, conferences and things like that okay um, and I think one of the biggest things and people you know, can sometimes overlook this but it's really about who you surround yourself with I hear that because you know I can I can be in a funk one month or, or, or a day or a week, but if I'm surrounding myself with people that's always out in the grind and, and, and elevating themselves and trying to grow themselves, you know, that day that I may be weak, this person may say something like, hey, man, have you heard this? Have you listened to this? I was listening to this today. You mm -hmm. should go check that out. So I pull a lot of my, you know, education and, and continuing development from the individuals uh, that I'm with. Also, whenever I'm, you know, eating lunch, I, I hear a long time ago, you know, never eat lunch alone. Mm. So I'm always, hey, what are you doing? I'm calling somebody. Let's grab some lunch. And, you know, I'm sitting with them and I'm asking them, what are you reading right now? What are you listening to right now? I never take a meeting. When we get done, I'm going to ask you, what are you reading right now? Gotcha. And that's how I find some of my, you know, my best books. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, continuing education is always key. You know, the mind is always growing. Um, and, and, and there's so many distractions in the world today that if you're not intentional about what you're looking at or listening to, you know, you can find yourself going backwards. Right. So, yeah, I think one of the biggest things is, is seeing who you surround yourself with. I heard somebody say a while ago that you are the sum total of the, the five people that you hang around with. I hear that. And that's income level as well. You know, you wonder why you're making a certain income. You know, look at the people that you're around because it's easy to fit into that comfort zone. Oh, I'm doing better than this person. Well, compared to who? Mm -hmm. You know, so once you start getting in these circles where these cats are making, you know, multi-million dollars and you, you know, we're close to that, now you realize, oh, crap, first of all, there is a potential to get there. Let me ask these people, you know, what do they do to get there? And then, you know, once you're exposed to something, it's hard to un... Mm -hmm. You can't undo it. Right, right. You know, I used to go, when I first started, you know, in business, I used to go to these dealerships and I used to sit in these nice cars. You know, I used to go, do the, have you ever heard of Parade of Homes? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know if it's necessarily big here in Memphis, but like in Nashville, right. uh, places, Knoxville, places mm -hmm. like that, 
where they have these uh, more of a retirement community. They have these parade of homes a lot. And these these multi-million dollar homes that you can go in, walk around, they're decked out, they got the theaters. And once you start exposing yourself to that, it's like the Matrix. Once you know the other side, it's really hard to go back. Right. You know, so always really just, like I said, it goes back to the comfort zone. Just getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, getting out of the city sometimes, traveling, going places, seeing what's what's possible, mm-hmm. because I, and, and that's one of the biggest things when it comes to like in the community, you know, urban communities and things like that. For sure, one of the biggest sure. challenges with these kids is they don't have the exposure. Because once right. you know so better, true. you do better. Right. You know, before I left off for of college, some of the things that I've seen, I didn't even know this stuff was possible. Right. But you know, when I did know it was possible, now I knew what level I can grind at. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm just kind of all over the place with that. No, yeah. no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Hoping because, it answers the question. No, it absolutely answers the question because I was just having a conversation uh, with somebody, they was talking about the black card and like how we use the black card to like make excuses yeah. and this that, and the other. Uh, and it was a black person saying this, mm-hmm. and so I was saying that look, like I get what you're saying because she used the idea of her grandfather using that idea mm-hmm. to uh, see like you can build yourself up from none this that, and the other. And I was like, look, you know, you had your grandfather. I, I gave the example of my mom. Yeah. You know, t- uh, single single mom, two kids. Put herself through school engineering degree right absolutely but it's like i told her like look you had your grandfather i had my mom we were exposed mm-hmm. through that but my next door neighbor living lamar terry's projects didn't have that yeah neither on the other side he didn't have that either so that exposure piece is super important yeah yeah uh like you say uh, uh and as far as the books that i'm reading currently it's uh i'm reading uh the, the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Yeah, great right? book. But I just finished up uh, the Everything Store, the store, uh, the uh, biography of uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go pick that up yeah. as, soon as, we, as soon as we get done. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But um, let me ask you this, man. You kind of alluded to this a little bit. You know, some people say entrepreneurs need, like, you know, a formal degree because when you go to school, networking, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Some people say they just need a dream and some work ethic. Yeah. Where do you stand on that, man? I think it's a uh, balance. Okay. You don't need a little bit of both. For sure. Uh, and even though I didn't necessarily get an education from a university, mm-hmm. well, I went all the way to junior year. For sure. So, you know, I had three years of college education to realize that, you know, I didn't necessarily need any more to do what I needed to do. But YouTube was still a form of education. For you sure. Know, networking is still a form of education. It is. Going out, hitting the pavement is a form of education. So education is always going to be key mm-hmm. uh, in order to, you know, take yourself to the next level. However... The challenge is I see a lot of people saying, well, I need to finish my school. I need to take this certification before the action component kicks mm-hmm. in. Man, you learn more than to do. So I say, man, uh, education is key, but don't let education hold you back from getting out of the and starting to grind. I hear that. Because you will learn a whole lot more. You know, I look at the college professors, and a lot of these college professors have actually worked in the, the career field that they're teaching, mm-hmm. but a lot of them hadn't. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of them are teaching – you know, through the books. Yeah, theory, uh, right? Theory, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, man, the the best the best way to really get educated is to start doing. I hear that. I hear that. I, I try to tell people all the time, entrepreneurship is really is jumping off a cliff and building the parachute on the way down. Best like, way to describe right, it. Right, yeah. like you, there's no other way to describe it, really. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, you talk about that piece of, like, people sometimes uh, letting education hold them back, this, that, and the other. Do you think that's kind of where – 
uh, people like it's a fear mechanism sometimes where it's like, I got to get this certification. I got to get this degree. I got to get this, these three letters behind my name first. Then like, yeah. okay, then I feel comfortable mm-hmm. starting a career. It, it just feels like, you know, if you keep saying, I got to do this part, you'll never get to that, that ultimate part in your head. Yeah. Cause it'll always be something else. So I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you pointed that out for sure. Uh, last question before we go to break. Oh, real quick. I always say when people who, who leave college uh-huh. uh, to uh, start a company, like, you just do like what NBA players do. Uh-huh. You, just, you just, you know, turn pro early. Yeah. That's all that yeah. is. Absolutely. That's all that is. <laughs> but uh, real quick, man, uh, last question before we go to break. What does your average day look like? Be specific as possible. Average day, be specific. All mm-hmm. righty. Alarm going off at about 4.30. Okay. So I'm up. I'm up. Typically, um, praying, meditating, getting into the Bible. Okay. Uh, you know, reading the scripture before I before I leave the house. Uh, I'm at the gym by five thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, do an hour workout, and then I'm at the shop. Uh, I typically here at least three hours before the team gets here. I'm setting mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, projects, answering emails, things of that nature. And honestly, about eleven o'clock, my day is done. Gotcha. Uh, and depending on which day of the week it is, I teach over at Crosstown. I do okay. Graf- yeah, I'm a graphic design instructor. Okay. At Crosstown two times a week. So I go to Crosstown uh, for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. teach ninth graders graphic designing. Then I'm back at the shop, you know, tying up loose ends, shaking hands with customers, making sure packages get on uh, the truck, FedEx going out. Uh, and also, depending on what day of the week it is, uh, after I shut down, I'm headed to church, mm-hmm. uh, Bible study, things sure. like that. So. Uh, I'm there, probably hanging out with buddies afterwards, getting some food, then I'm back at the house. Uh, so on average, man, my days are pretty pretty long. Gotcha. Uh, I'm up at 4.30 uh, and sometimes not down to about 10.30, 11. Mm-hmm. That's on average. I have some of those days where I'm up at 4.30 and I'm down at 8. Gotcha. You know, uh, so it's kind of one of those things. It's balancing you know, it all out. But you know, my day is, is very busy. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, while I'm transitioning between one place to another, that's kind of where I'm getting my education in, in the car and things like that. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Kelvin's content, but we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owls section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so before we head back into the questions man 
Somebody just got an award recently, man. 40 under 40, man. Con- First of all, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And when you got the call or the email, you know, how did you, how did that make you feel, man? What did you think? You know, it's pretty cool because I, this is the third class uh, okay. of 40 under 40 here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I watched the first two classes, and a lot of those guys are my friends, mm-hmm. um, fellow entrepreneurs, and I watch these cats, and, you know, they're doing some amazing things. So right. to see, receive that award and be beside these guys mm-hmm. on that platform, it's pretty cool. For sure. So when I got the news, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, you never really do it for the recognition. For sure. You know, it's sure. always about, you know, uplifting the community, you know, finances and things like that. But for people to recognize you along the way, really pours a little bit of gas on what you're doing and let you that. know, man, you're heading in the right direction. So it's, it's a pretty cool uh, award, and I'm, I'm definitely honored to receive awesome, it. Awesome, awesome. It's, it's really nice when somebody from outside of yourself and your family sees the work that you're doing and say, mm-hmm. we appreciate what you do. So that's always a cool thing. Yeah, right? absolutely. For sure, for sure. And, you know, real quick, there's been a reoccurring theme here in this episode where you talk about your faith and mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. Share that with us. Why, why, why is that your faith so important to you? Um, you know, my faith is really everything to mm-hmm. me. Uh, because once you boil it down, entrepreneur life is, is really lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of people don't get you. A lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. the directions that you're heading in. So in, in those lonely times... There's not a lot of people that you can talk to. So I find myself, you know, doing a lot of praying, a lot of meditation, Mm -hmm. and just talking to God about, you know, guiding me in the direction that I need to to go in. And early on, I realized that um, faith and fear uh, can't exist in the same place. And that's really one of the the principles that I stand on. I I got a couple Bible scriptures that's really foundation to me, and Mm -hmm. that's one of them. You know, faith and fear can't exist in the same place. So I just held on to that, man. Whenever I find myself afraid to do something uh that's the fear aspect i hear that uh, and, and I hear that. you know it takes me out of you know that position to where i can operate in faith so i always float towards faith and it has never failed me so yeah my spiritual you know journey my faith is, is huge to me mm-hmm. you know i'm always praying on a daily basis i'm uh, always reading the bible just really making sure that i'm in line you know, with what the word says. Mm-hmm. And once you're in line with the word, man, you may not understand it or you may not, you know, know what direction you're going in, but it always seems to work out. Entrepreneur, man, you got, you, you eat what you kill. Mm. There's no, you know, big savings account, you know, once you start mm. off and things like that. So For all sure. of it is a faith walk. No no small loan of a million dollars? No small, nope. <laughs> <laughs> small, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my faith is everything to me, man. And, uh you know, it's pretty cool. I grew up in a, um, a house where my grandmother used to drag us out of the, you know, the house on Sunday and, oh, yeah. and make us go to church. And we in the back of the church, you know, playing, uh, not really paying attention to what's going on, uh, to now being very active in church mm-hmm. um, and going through that journey of life and really just coming full circle with where my grandmother was really trying to get us, For you sure. know, from day one. And you got you to gotta have some life happen to really understand it. Uh, but now, you know, being grounded in my faith and letting that be the foundation for everything that we do. You know, man, on Fridays, uh, really every day I'm walking in, I'm typically opening up the building. You know, I'm just thanking God for another day, you know what I'm saying, to be able to serve customers and, and give Him the glory uh, ultimately because that's what it's about. And Fridays, man, when, when we're shutting down, I'm just, you know, walking around the building just thanking, thanking God, man. Thank you for another week. Thank mm-hmm. you, you know, for the ability to be able to operate at this level. When I'm writing checks, you know, payroll checks, man, that is, 
you want to know what's a huge blessing mm-hmm. to be able to you know Absolutely. write payroll checks every other week. And man, it's just a really another time for me to reflect on how good God is, you mm-hmm. know. Because not only am I be, I'm able to provide a lifestyle for myself, mm-hmm. but here I am writing thousands of dollars, you know, what I'm saying to employees to be able right. to take care, of. and it's just a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, always whenever faith and fear, you know, you find yourself at that crossroad, road, you know, the natural thing is, and it's just one of those things. Life, you know, is 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 a is a mechanism to preserve life. Fear is, you know, you see something going on over here, you naturally want to retreat, you know, to to preserve life, to protect yourself. Right. Uh, and and, and it's a place for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always tell people, if you're at that crossroads, choose faith because mm-hmm. it's gonna work out. It's definitely gonna work out. I hear that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. I, I wanted to get that in there because, like I said, it seems like you know that's part of your entrepreneurial story. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, wanted to, you know, wanted you to share that with Startup Nation. So I appreciate that mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. What's the worst, uh, the best and worst piece of advice you've ever got? Give me about business, life, whatever the case may be. Um, man. There's a lot of bad advice <laughs> that floats around. You know, you do get some great advice here and there, but mm-hmm. you more so get more bad advice than mm-hmm. anything. Um, and honestly, the best advice that I can probably think of right now is observe the masses and do the opposite. Okay. Uh, because if you're looking at, if you're doing what everybody else doing, nine times out of ten, you're going to get the same thing that everybody else got. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you want, that's fine. Right. But if you want something different, you really got to see what the trend is and go against it. And that's why, you know, we talked on that piece, entrepreneurship being very lonely sometimes. Right. It's because you're always going in a different direction than, you know, most people. So that's probably one of the best advice um, I've gotten. Uh, probably one of the worst advice for me, not for everybody, was you know, go to school, get a good education, get a job so that you can retire. You know, I just wasn't programmed that way. Right. I'm a creative, so I've always mm. wanted to operate in that creative space. So that advice put me in a box. And it made me, as we talked about this, but it made me question a lot of the entrepreneurship moves that I was making at the time because it didn't necessarily line up with the, you know, uh, the information I had been taught my whole life. Sure. So that was some bad advice for me. Uh, when I initially got started. For sure. No, I, I can understand that. And it actually reminds me of something I was going to ask earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talked about entrepreneurship being like that lonely space, yeah. if you will, it, it, it speaks to a theory that I have that not only is it a lonely space, but entrepreneurship has a language of its own. Because yeah. when you talk about, when, you know, people tell you go to school, this, any other traditional nine or route. Uh, nine to five route, whatever the case may be, and you talk about like you know being a creative, this that, and the other. When you start talking them certain words in certain yeah. ways, it's like I don't like that does not compute, <laughs> does not compute, right? But so it really does speak to like you know it's a different language, and yeah. it's it's you know it's a language that honestly, even if in your circle of friends that you talked about, mm-hmm. uh, you know they could be entrepreneurs in a totally different space, not yeah. even in t-shirts. But when you say certain words and phrases, they instantly know what you're talking about exactly. because they speak the language. It's like German, French, <laughs> Spanish, whatever the case may be. Yeah. They understand that language instantly. I agree. Right? Yeah. You know, but when you talk about like, you know, family and friends who are not in that space, they're like, uh, that don't even make sense. Yeah, they don't understand it. No, for sure. And so, it freaks them out, man. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so I'm glad you pointed that out for sure. What's a popular misconception about business, Kelvin? Like, for real, like, seriously, though, where do people get this idea, for one, that I always have, is like, you know, it's all like, like, oh, you a business owner? Oh, you got, like, a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> what, on top of that, what are some other ones? Yeah, um, 
And you know, I answer the questions and I always gotta draw from <laughs> different experiences. <laughs> I just can't necessarily say, boom, here's for sure, the answer. For sure. So the first thing that came to mind was my daughter. Mm, you know, she's okay. growing up now in a and, and I'm gonna answer the question, but no, for sure. I think Go about ahead. my daughter, uh, she's growing up in a house where she sees her dad as an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh so I'm out every day hitting the ground running, you know, you ask her what I do and, and you know, she knows daddy dad is a business owner, daddy right. you know, helps people. XYZ. So they, uh, she gets to learn from that, you know, perspective early on. So one of the misconceptions from an entrepreneur is, you know, um, what's the best way to answer this? Um, so one of the misconceptions is that is for one is easy. For sure. Um, and it's sure. not that uh, because we are okay. Here's why I was going with this. So we're, we're brought up in this household. At least I was where. Go to school, get a good education, get a job was all that we were programmed to do. Mm -hmm. So when it comes time to being an entrepreneur, you know, we take that mindset of an employee into that space. And you can't necessarily Mm. operate as a business owner. Right. uh, as an as a as a employee mindset, for sure. So I say all that to say, you know, my daughter, she's coming up with an entrepreneur mindset, so she'll be able to transition and do business just like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, one of the hard things was getting rid of that employee mindset and adopting a business owner mindset, which is composed of several different things. First of all, business owner mindset says that you have to do the most, mm-hmm. you know, and then get paid. Employee mindset is do as little amount as you can mm. and try to get the most pay as possible. For sure. It doesn't sure. work that way in business. It does not. Man, I have customers, for instance, we just had a customer that uh, needed some shirts overnight to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Hit me up. It's 10 o'clock at night. Like, hey, we need these shirts. Can you make it happen? Well, employee mindset says I'm not answering my phone this late. <laughs> and I'm definitely not getting to the shop that early. Or paying overtime to make this happen. Speaking of word, Mr. Woods. Yeah, man. Speaking of word. Mindset says, yeah, I'm going to make this happen because I don't know where this is going to lead mm-hmm. later on. So you always have to go the extra uh, mile, man. And I think I talked to my uh, my my guys that I – hate, I hate saying employees. Right. Like team members. I, I talk to my team members all the time about, you know what I'm saying, your value. Mm-hmm. And see, most of these guys – think that their value comes from the neck down. Mm-hmm. What can I do physically? I can print all these T-shirts. I can move. I can run. I can jump. I can do all of this stuff physically. Mm-hmm. But I tell them, you know, from the neck down, at best you $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. But from the neck up, your pay is unlimited. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Because you're using your mind now to generate income. So one of the misconceptions is, you know, always being the best physically. You don't necessarily have to be the best physically, but if you mentally can solve problems, I tell the guys all the time, look, I pay you to solve problems mm-hmm. all the time. You know, if you're not solving problems, then you're not necessarily operating at your at your, your, your max capacity. For sure. If you got an issue and you come to me and say, hey, Kelvin, how do I, you know, fix this issue? My initial question is, give me two options like you know what have you thought of mm-hmm. and a lot of times i find myself or i find that they haven't even thought of an answer they rely on me and as long as you rely on other people to solve issues mm-hmm. you're always going to be dependent on that person for sure so i know that's kind of all over the place but one of the mis a couple of the misconceptions is you know bringing that uh employee mindset into business not gonna happen and then you know, trying to grind it out physically mm-hmm. instead of mentally. Uh, sure. Robert Kiyosaki talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like in Rich Dad Poor Dad, mm-hmm. he calls it the um, your financial IQ. You know, once that, whenever you run into a financial issue, 
you can choose to figure out how to work around that financial issue or you can succumb to that financial issue. That. But the people that figure it out, their financial IQ increases. You know, and it's the same in all aspects of life. Whenever you have an issue, if you figure that thing out, you grow. But if you let that thing control you or you look to other places to figure it out, then you never really learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, you know, money, that's always a big <laughs> one. Uh, you know, right. he's a business owner. He has, you know, because right now we have uh, we have two uh, stores here in Memphis, mm -hmm. and we're looking to expand. So people naturally think, you know what I'm saying, how they making it, the money is good. Well, you know, at this point in the business, most of the money goes back into right. continuing to grow the business. And, uh, you know, Say that one more time for the cheap seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of the money goes back into growing the business. There it is. Uh, now, there's some benefits and there's some perks that come along the way. But really, you got to continue to sow that seed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not really time to eat the harvest uh, right now. You got to continue to sow. And then one day, you know, you get, I can't step away. And right. it's another one uh, that's real big. Mm -hmm. You know, most people, man, will go work a job. Uh, for 40 years of their lives mm. to retire, you know, and that's fine. But it seems like as soon as you get in business, five years down the line, you're not making the money that you want. Oh, something may, it's not working, something wrong. Or 10 years, we don't have that long-term mindset like we would do if we was working for a company. Right. You know, it takes you 40 years to build up a nest egg so you can walk away and retire. That's Why true. do you feel like business is going to be different? Mm -hmm. You know, you got to put in that time. I'm I'm six, seven years in now in the T-shirt lab. Right. You know, if I would have quit three, four years ago, we would have never got to this point. There it and is. And three, four years ago, you know, things were tough. And even today, we experience difficulties at certain levels. Mm -hmm. But you got to continue to remember that, you know what I'm saying, it's really a journey. You know, it's a process. You can't quit. You got to continue to push forward. And you'll see those, those benefits. So there's a couple misconceptions that people have I appreciate uh, you. when it comes to entrepreneurship. I definitely appreciate you sharing that. You, you know, you brought up something uh, about your daughter, and I want to mm -hmm. kind of get into that a little bit. You know, and, and what you were explaining is something we talked about earlier is that exposure piece, yeah. right? She's being exposed mm -hmm. to that uh, that entrepreneurial mindset. You know, so let's say, you know, she grows up and she decides that, like, you know, she doesn't necessarily want to be an entrepreneur or take over the t-shirt lab, maybe, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other. And maybe she wants to, like, you know, go in the corporate world, this, that, and the other. Do you feel like she can use some of the, the things that she sees you as an entrepreneur in the corporate world? And what are some of the things you think she maybe can use from in the corporate world? Yeah, uh, and, and I have no problem with whatever she chooses to do For in sure. her life. Uh, my goal as a, a father, my role as a father is to make to sh make sure that she's prepared for sure for whatever comes. Um, so if she decides to go in the corporate arena, then that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, and if she decides to go in the corporate arena, you know, I'll send her off to college, do things like that. If she decides to go, you know, into business for herself, then come work for daddy. There's no mm -hmm. need for us to go, you know, right. college. I'd probably teach you more than <laughs> you'll learn. For sure, for sure, uh, for at, sure. At, at a university. But, oh, man, whew. It's night and day, you know, from the things that she is already learning, you know, compared to people that's not growing up okay. in that uh, in that in, in an entrepreneur household. Uh, faith has to be the biggest one, for sure. You know, uh, I, her faith uh, is gonna be solid, mm -hmm. you know, from watching daddy grow a business, you know, from ground zero mm -hmm. all the way up. Uh, the grind, you know, she sees daddy getting up uh, early in the morning. And, you know, sometimes coming home late and she's sleeping, I'm having to go in and kiss her and wake her up and things right. like that. So she sees that sacrifice piece. Um, 
She's also yeah. going to, uh, you know, and this is kind of you know, off subject, but it's going to be whoever she marries, man, when she gets older, you know, he's going to have some huge shoes to fill. Right. Because dad is not playing. Right. You know, I'm showing her that, you know, whatever in life that you want, you, if you work hard enough, you treat people right, mm-hmm. uh, you keep your faith grounded, you know, you can accomplish that. But, you know, even, even little basic stuff, like, <laughs> so my wife has this thing where she picks her up from, from school. Okay. And, you know, as soon as she hops in the car, she's, Mama, where my snack at? So uh, my, my wife will give her a bag of chips, juice, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I rarely get a chance to pick her up just because of, you know, my schedule. Mm-hmm. But whenever I pick her up, you know, same expectation. Daddy, where, where my, where my uh, snack at? So I give her a bag of chips, and I started doing this thing a while ago where uh, I open the bag of chips. And uh, I say, hey, baby, you got to pay your taxes. You know, I take mm. a chip and eat it. All right, taxes paid, boom. You know, give her back her chips. Gotcha. And for the longest, she didn't think anything of it. Mm. But then, uh, you know, I started programming and teaching her. I was like, hey, babe, this is this is how business owners play the game. Check mm-hmm. this out. Next time you ask for your snack and I say, you got to pay taxes, you say, okay. You know what I'm saying? I will give me the chips. So after I give you the chips, you eat your chips, and then whatever you have left, you pay taxes on it. If this is making sense. No, that makes but sense. But she started getting to the point to where, you know, we'll be riding home, she'll eat chips. I'm like, all right, babe, it's time time to pay snack, uh, uh, pa- pa- time to pay taxes. Right. And she, she'll say, well, daddy, all the chips is gone. I can't, I ain't got nothing to pay taxes on. Mm. And a lot of, it is very simple, but the difference between employees and business owners is an employee, once you get paid, the first thing that comes out is taxes. Right. As a business owner, you are taxed on basically what is left. Right. So you pay, you play the tax game totally different. And that's why people, you know, talk about President 45, mm-hmm. you know, his taxes and things like that. But honestly, the tax game is set up for business owners. It's not really set up as a, as a, as a, it's uh, true. Yeah, as an employee, you get what? Tax breaks on your home mm-hmm. and your kids. I think them the only things you can necessarily file. Right. As a business owner, it's like, what, 20-something, 30-something different tax breaks that you can qualify And it from. seems like even more each year, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so just to kind of get back on track, mm-hmm. she's learning tax, basic tax foundations from an entrepreneur at the age of five, at the right. age of four, three. You know, some of these kids won't learn this stuff until they get to college, if they ever learn it at all. So once you think about growing up in, you know, an entrepreneur household and witnessing these things, man, it's going to be crazy powerful. Right. And then she gets in the car and, you know, it's not the, the bumpity bump, you know. it's She's <laughs> right. listening to mindset from some right. of these guys, man, are legends in the game. Mm-hmm. And she don't understand none of it. But, you know, the the, the self the subconscious mind is picking up on all of this stuff. And one day she'll be able to, to draw from uh, from that information and this mm-hmm. source of knowledge that she's hearing right now when she's five. So, right. yeah, I think it's, uh, it's dope to watch. For sure, for sure. Well, you know, you think it may be, you know, no, a little bit off in the answer, but I don't think so. And I'm going to explain uh-huh. why. Because when we talk about the entrepreneurial mindset, I think it leaks into other facets of your life. And yeah. so I feel like, you know, when you talk about, like, you know, whoever she may marry in the future, this, mm-hmm. that, and the other, I feel like she'll be less likely to concede to certain things or less likely to just uh, just accept yeah. certain things. Like, she may have a higher standard or guy or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and that's because dad set that standard, like yeah. you said, pretty high. So, or even in school, like, you know, 
like, all right, we're going we're gonna to make volcanoes or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all the other kids who may necessarily not have an entrepreneur in the household, they just make a regular volcano. But no, yeah. I don't think your daughter, your daughter's <laughs> going to have, like, the volcano with, like, you know, some type of secondary energy source and yeah. this, that, and the other. But I think it, it speaks to the mindset of, like, never settling. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and so I think with the entrepreneur's mindset, with your daughter seeing this on a regular daily basis, I mm-hmm. think she's getting that as well. So, no, I totally understand. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. Let me ask you this. How did you get the idea of the T-shirt lab? Because I'm, I'm, we're, we're in your wonderful space. Thank you. By the way. <laughs> and I, I see, like, the T-shirt lab, and I hear lab, and I see, like, Einstein quotes, mm-hmm. and I see, like, the 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 the, uh, the guy here with the with – the, uh, pouring like the solution and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so how did you come up with like that science theme if you will you know it's um just doing a lot of research at the time and and like i said i went to school for graphic design Mm -hmm. so i you know sitting in front of my computer and i knew that i wanted to start t-shirt company and just playing around with a whole bunch of names and then it hit me for sure t-shirt lab it's the laboratory you know we're gonna manufacture t-shirts and push them out and things like that and then when i got that word lab I instantly thought of Einstein. Mm-hmm. So I started doing research on Einstein and things like that. And just uh, that's kind of where the whole brand came from. Just playing around with different names. And then when I got the name, I wanted to, you know, develop the brand around that. For so sure. we more so focused on the laboratory piece. And once you think of lab, you instantly think of scientists. You think of, you know, Einstein, legend. Mm-hmm. So we used him as our uh, as our mascot. And we had some issues trademarking it, so we had to. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, the logo you see now is like the third or fourth logo, gotcha. the version. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we tweaked it a little bit, played around with it, man. And, and, you know, everything that we do now when it comes to branding is, is around that whole scientific. Even the lights that you see, like these are the Edison bulbs. So it kind of plays around with their I like that. That that, that, that lab word. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned about, you know, your your team members. And I love the the fact that you – you call them team members because it's one of those things where we talk about a lot of kind of a family and this, that, and the other, but it gives them a sense of like being invested in the process. And if they're invested in the process, they're going to have, you know, better output, you know, T-shirts or, you know, customer service or whatever the case may be. So, you know, you talk to this uh, notion a little bit, but what do you, you know, dive into a little bit more as far as like what you look for in a new team member? Really, man, I look for one thing. Okay. And, uh, that's the ability not to quit. Okay. You know, if you can bring that to the table, I can bring the rest. If mm. you can lock arms with me and say, Kelvin, look, regardless of this, the, the circumstances, the situation, I'm, I'm, I'm down. We're going to make it work. You ain't got to be the most professional. You ain't got to be the most educated. You ain't even got to be the, 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 the best-looking person. That don't matter <laughs> to me. You know, I don't care about none of that. Gotcha. If you bring some determination to the table, I can work with you, man. I've, uh, you know, been in business. We've hired you know several different people and some some in a lot of cases it didn't work out mm-hmm. but i tell people all the time it's rare that i terminate an employee you will end up terminating yourself i hear that uh, and, and and that comes in forms of just kind of giving up mm-hmm. you know if you give up man it's really nothing i can do but if you always coming to the table you know willing to work and willing to stick in there that's really all i ask gotcha. just come to the table with your 100 percent and don't give up and we'll, we'll make the best work. Okay. Let's shift for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. You know, and, and I kind of know where you're going to go with this, but I want to kind of like, you know, hear from you. Okay. Are entrepreneurs obligated to have 
some type of social aspect, you know, or kind of like lend, you know, commentary to social issues or give back to the community. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, first of all, in America, you have the right, you know, freedom of speech. For sure. So for sure. The, the the true answer is yes. I mm-hmm. feel like you know you can speak on social issues. You can speak on any issue that you know that you feel necessary to speak on. Now I do feel like there is a responsibility to make sure that the content that you put out uh, doesn't harm or affect other people. Because as an entrepreneur, you think it, you think about things on a different level. For sure. Um, and you know some of the issues that go on today, my opinion is totally different from the masses. Well, you know, I necessarily can't put that out uh, because it affects not not only me, but it can affect my my team members. Mm-hmm. You know, if I speak out on a social issue and then revenue slows down, you know, I can't necessarily just think about myself in that moment. So you do have a responsibility to other people to watch, you know, the things that you say and the things that you support mm-hmm. um, as an entrepreneur. I don't know if that answers your no, question. No, it does. It does because we we hear when we ask that question. Uh, we, we hear, you know, a lot of different answers. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of different answers. We're like, yeah, like you should say something. You're taking money from the community, this, that, and the other, this, that, and yeah. the other. And other people say, like, mm, I don't know about obligated, but, like, you know, if you feel like the need to say something, you know, say something. But yeah. so, I, 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 you know, it, it works either way. And it I think that, way. you know, a lot of times you have the, the big social issues that everybody know about. For sure. You know what I'm saying? For sure. How do you stand on this? How do you stand on that? But in a lot of cases – Entrepreneurs fight for issues that you don't even realize is going on. Mm. For instance, when I was in Orange Mound, uh, my first shop here in Memphis, ton of social issues, you know, ton of ton of things that was going on that necessarily the masses didn't know about. Right. From basic stuff of you know the trash service, like mm. man, look, we need a consistent you know pickup of trash here in the community. Why when I put my trash out? You know, some some weeks they get it, some weeks they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're calling up the city. We're fighting on those issues. And, you know, you see us changing in those things, but it's not the most popular topic, so people don't necessarily know about it. Uh, crime, you know, hey, we're business. You know, we need to make sure that this area is patrolled so our customers feel safe coming. So now you see an increase in, you know, patrol officers in the community or, you know, different things like that. So we're always fighting you know, in my in my personal experience, I'm always fighting different issues to make the community better, to change things. Um, and sometimes, when you don't speak up on some of the bigger ones, people tend to judge you on that. For but sure. you think about that one main issue versus the hundred things that we've already done. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it balances out, and it, it can be unfair sometimes for people to, you know, expect you to. And, and, to expect you to, to speak up on every single thing. For sure. And I think one of the biggest challenges, too, is we, uh, in every other community, man, um, people look to, um, you know, the business owners in the community to really help, you know, change the dynamic of the community or deal with social issues. Right. Uh, in the African-American community, we look to a lot of athletes mm. um, who sometimes can be detached from the situations, you True. know, due to financial reasons and things like that. So. You know, we get disappointed in these people, in these celebrities, and these superstars when they give these these answers, and it doesn't necessarily not line up with the way we feel. We understand, you know, these people are completely detached from right. a lot of the things that we go through, and you know, that's why you got to really start supporting small businesses and communities and things like that, and really start letting kids see other 
avenues of success. I hear that. You know, because athletes and things like that is the exception, man. For and sure. It's, and it's great if you got that talent and that ability, but it's a small percentage of people mm-hmm. that's going to play in the NFL, that's going to play in the NBA. But everybody can start a business and be successful. For sure. Um, so I know it's kind of all over the place, but I think that, you know, as business owners, you do have responsibilities. To, to speak out on certain issues. Gotcha. And in a lot of cases, we do. It's just one of those things you don't see it all the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this, man. Have you ever had to turn down a client? And if you have a story, share it with us. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a story, but gotcha. yeah, I do have to turn down clients. And our industry, man, is fast paced. Mm-hmm. You know, I have people that call me up on a Friday. So we're closed on the weekends. We're right. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. I have somebody call me 3 o'clock on Friday. Hey, I need to get. Uh, you know, a couple t-shirts printed for the weekend. Can you help me out? And of course we can. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, those are the easy turn downs. Uh, like those are the logical ones. Like I don't have enough time or resources to make this happen for you. Right. But some of the difficult ones is, yeah, you got the time, you got the resources. However, you're just dealing with a di- uh, difficult person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've gotten real good at identifying, you know, individuals that walk in or email or call if this is something that we really gonna be able to do. For sure, uh, for sure. And it can come in the form of, hey, we need to get a custom design. Okay, no problem, let's get started. And they say, they tell you one thing and you start working on this design, and then three months later, you're still working on this project and trying to develop these ideas, and it comes to a point to where you just gotta tell the customer, look, we're not the right person for this particular right, project. Right. It's been this amount of time. You might want to go ahead and start searching, looking for other resources to make this happen. Gotcha. Or if somebody rude or disrespectful, you know. Mm. I'll tell you, man. It's one of the. It seems like it's one of the most offensive things to do is to turn somebody money down. <laughs> gotcha. You want to see somebody get mad? Tell that person that you don't want they, <laughs> you know, their money. But you know, my team members, man. We come in, we work hard, um, and you know, everything that we do is. Or everything I do is to glorify, you know, God and the mm-hmm. kingdom. Um, so, man, if you come in here and you disrespectful and things like that, it, it's not going to work out, you know. So gotcha. I got to turn those projects down and turn those customers down. And, yeah, we've had to do it on several occasions. And people get mad, but, man, you know, you can respect the person more for telling you up front, like, this ain't going to work. Then to get down the line and now you're in this difficult situation where they're mad, you're mad, and now it's a bad relationship. Let's not even go through that. Let's just sure. agree to disagree. For sure. For sure. So, man, you know there's a lot of T-shirt companies mm-hmm. in this city. Yeah. There's a lot, man. When somebody gets from something from the T-shirt lab, what are they getting? I ask my team members all the time, man, what is our product? What is our product? Mm-hmm. Like, there's T-shirts. There's T-shirts. No, that's the, the tangible item that we sell. Mm. But what is our product? Uh, and I'm always asking myself that too. You know, mm-hmm. the product changes. Um, at one point, the product was price. You know, they get affordable T-shirts. Uh, at one point, the product was, you know, convenience. You know, they can come in, we can get T-shirts out real quick. Uh, but right now, I think that when people purchase from the T-shirt lab, the product that we sell is honestly hope. And I know that doesn't line up with selling T-shirts, but if you knew the journey and you knew the background story and what we do on a daily basis, man, it's really hope. You know, you buy a T-shirt from us, you're not just buying a T-shirt. You're employing, you know, uh, a second chance Mm -hmm. individual, and you're giving that person hope. Right. Uh, You're helping a, a minority business continue to grow and continue to, you know, sow seeds in the community. So that's my product. 
that's my product that we're selling, but to the customer, you know, the product is always going to be, uh, you know, you're going to get a great quality T-shirt. You're going to have the experience is big. I'm real big on the experience that a customer has when they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going we're going to greet you. You're going we're going to walk you from A to Z through this product. I want you to be comfortable, and I want people to walk out of here knowing that, you know what I'm saying, all right, don't stress about this part no more. The T-shirt part is done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're playing like a family reunion, different events. Sure. There's so many for different sure. things going on. Once you come through the T-shirt lab doors, I want you to know that we got this part. You go figure out the other aspects of, you know, your event or whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. working for. So peace of mind is, is one that. of the products that we sell. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Appreciate it. Who are your mentors, Kelvin? Who? Man, so many of them. Uh, and, and when people hear mentors, they hear – you know, somebody that you got to sit down with over coffee. Man, I got mm. mentors that don't know I exist. Gotcha. Uh, Fair enough. You know, Les Brown, Eric Thomas. Mentors from afar, yeah. right? For afar, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Grant Cardone, mm-hmm. um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, who is the other one? Man, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are some of the titans that I listen to on a daily basis. But, uh, man, you, you can learn a little bit from everybody. For sure. my, my, my pastor is uh, my mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk uh, on a spiritual level. And on a business level, you know, ton of knowledge. Uh, I got friends, man, that I that I gain knowledge from and can be considered mentors. Um, so yeah, I have uh, several different mentors. Gotcha, gotcha. Almost close to wrapping up, man. Uh, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? Man, superpower. Superpower, man. <laughs> so I think my superpower has to be determination. Okay. Uh, and. Man, just a bulldog mentality that when I lock on, lock on, lock on to something, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let it go. We gonna this thing. We gonna figure it out. We may lose a couple times, but I don't. We don't quit till we win. I hear that. And man, my team members they can uh, they hate it sometimes that I have <laughs> that that mentality. Gotcha. But they don't realize that that is like you said a superpower mm-hmm. that really helps you continue to go to the next level. For sure. Um, so. If you ask a lot of people, man, I can tell you, man, Kelvin is a hard guy. Is he hard to please? You know, especially the guys that work with me. Mm-hmm. I tell you, man, I'm a hard dude, and and I can agree with that sometimes. You know, but I'm not hard out of the the to 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 just to be mean. For sure, you for know, sure. it's because I see the potential, uh, and you may not realize the potential at times. So I have to, you know be hard on you in that particular moment for you to understand so right yeah man i think one of my super superpowers could definitely be my determination gotcha all right man so this is the point of the show where man if you got like any specials you just want to promote the t-shirt lab floor is yours do exactly that yeah absolutely uh so we do we do orders man pretty much all over online you can you can contact us uh the Mm t-shirtlab.com uh it's t-h-e-t-e-e shirt lab lab.com uh, if you're anywhere, uh, we, we can ship to you. We ship to one location, free loca- uh, free of charge to one location. Okay. Uh, if you're here, local, stop by. Uh, we have two shops, one in Orange Mound, 1314 Airways Boulevard, mm-hmm. uh, and we also have one at 986 East Brooks Road in Whitehaven. Uh, we're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Um, you come in, you can call. Uh, we can definitely take care of you. We do have some pretty cool promotions that we're running right now. Mm-hmm. We have a small business promotion. Okay. Uh, that's $195. Uh, you get six polo shirts, 12 T-shirts. And that's typically for the startup business mm-hmm. that doesn't have any apparel, but they want to look professional. Uh, right. So that's a, 
a pretty affordable, less than $200. You can pretty much get your, your apparel sure. side taken For care sure. of. Uh, we have another promotion that's real popular, which is the $5 T-shirt. Okay. Uh, it's a white T-shirt, uh, one location print, typically on the front, one color. Mm-hmm. Uh, the T-shirt, the print... Uh, it's five bucks. Now you have to order thirty of them, so it comes sure. up to right at one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. But for one hundred and fifty dollars, you get thirty T-shirts uh, to where you can pretty much, you know, go out, promote, give them away, uh, do things like that. But uh, I think one of the things that's unique about the T-shirt lab is our fast turnaround. Okay, uh, we can accommodate orders. Uh, we can do next day rush. We can do our standard turnaround is five to seven business days, but we can accommodate three day orders. Three day rush orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the t shirt lab. Um, yeah, we'll love to, to help you out in any way. If you got a logo, you know, you bring that logo to us, we can pretty much put it on, you know, anything. We do embroidery in house, uh, full service screen printing, promotional products, mm-hmm. uh, the whole nine. Uh, outside of that, we have the uh, the Mound Collection, okay. which we didn't talk a lot about, but that's a project that we launched uh, about two, two, three years ago okay. to help revitalize uh, Orange Mound. And we do that through the sale of T-shirts and mm-hmm. hats. Uh, the website is thememphiscollection.com. Okay. Uh, MemphisCollection.com. You can go on there. You can purchase T-shirts, hats, and all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, go back to uh, community development. Uh, okay. So that's a, that's a pretty cool initiative. Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, I do an art show every year. Okay. Black Artist. Uh, we do it at the end of February. Uh, so we're about to open the website up for uh, auditions, taking on different artists and things like that. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's really a platform that was designed to uh, give minority artists an opportunity for exposure that. and things like that. We did a show last February. We had over 500 people come out. Oh, wow. So it was a real dope experience over at Crosstown. So uh, we're preparing for the next show, uh, mm-hmm. February 2019. It'll be that last Friday. Uh, so if you're an artist here in the city and you want to be a part of that platform, you can go to blackartist.com, uh, hit the audition tab, and that will bring that up. Uh, and you can audition. Or if you just want to come see some dope art by you know African-American artists, lock that date in. You can mm-hmm. come out. Uh, outside of that, man, that's you know pretty much all we got going on. Okay. <laughs> all right. And Startup Nation, all that uh, all that uh, content, website, web you know, uh, addresses and everything is there in the show notes for easy access for you to click on and, uh, and get your shirts made by Calvin. Kelvin, I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, and the T-shirt lab, for sure. Any lasting advice for an entrepreneur, man? Any lasting advice for an entrepreneur? Um, man, just, I don't know it sounds cliche, but if you got a goal, if you got a dream that you want to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, go for it. Go for it. Just don't focus on the end result. Just focus on the daily grind. Mm-hmm. You know, what you do, the battle is won daily. You know what I'm saying? It's what you do every second, every minute that counts. Most people set these huge goals like, all right, this is what I'm going to achieve this month. Don't mm-hmm. worry about that. What gotcha. are you going to achieve today? You know, sure. And those days add up to weeks. Those weeks add up to months. They add up to years. So don't get so caught up on and don't get so caught up on the on the long term. Have a goal, but don't get so caught up on the long term goal. The short term goal is what helps you accomplish the long term sure. goal. So break your day down, man. What are you doing every single day? Um, and if you can if you can conquer each day, you'll conquer each year. I hear that. I hear that. So that's going to do it for this episode of Startup Life, man. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, man. It's pretty cool. Awesome. You be willing to come back? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right, right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. When Kelvin talks about his faith in his company, that's a really 
big piece that's important to him and I really think that's what drives his success. His faith not only sustains him and keeps his company moving, but he also uses it as a tool to see how he can make his community better than he found it. Whether it be through his art show every February or the fact that he talks about, you know, uh, giving people that he employs a second chance in their life. And on top of adding new stores and, you know, and generating revenue in his company, I think that's what makes Kelvin a successful entrepreneur. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.